Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts and bare knuckle. That's right. Two big events going down this weekend. BKFC 56 and the UFC Fight Night in Austin. So we'll give you all the latest uh, details regarding both events. Don't roll your eyes, Junkie Nation. All right. There is a lot of talent from the MMA world over at BKFC 56. Let me put it to you this way. There's five bigger fights than Jimmy Rivera versus Jeremy Stevens throwing hands. Those guys were pretty solid MMA fighters. So that's like the sixth best fight over at BKFC 56. It is a pay-per-view, though. I'm not going to lie. But I'll give you kind of a cheat code in case you want to order it and save some ducats. That's what we're here for. All the latest news as well. We'll reset and start the show. And one last thing, Todd Duffy, who's on that card, he is on today's show. All right, guys, so let's start off with that. I know a lot of you get lost in the shuffle of combat sports because stuff goes down all over the world nowadays. They could be in Saudi Arabia. They could be in Las Vegas. So start times can be all over the place. Sometimes they go to Brazil and Brazil, they don't mind going at 3 a.m. a main event. So let me give you that. And then we'll start talking about these uh, these events. So we're MMA junkie. We'll go with that first. The UFC is in Austin, Texas. They have a fight card featuring Benil Dariush and Armand Sarukian, UFC lightweights. I guess you can call it a title contender fight because, look, Dariush just fought Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira won and is now fighting for the title. Now, granted, he was an ex-champ, so I get it. Maybe he was closer to that than than Dariush, although many would argue that Dariush has been deserving for the last... 18 months. Anyway, he dropped the fight. He loses. Sarukian dropped the fight to two fights in the UFC. He's like 9-2 and two or something like that. One to the champ, Islam Makashev, and one to Matias Gamron, who, by the way, was supposed to be the backup for Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev. And then, remember, Oliveira fell out at UFC 294, and in steps Alexander Volkanovsky, and they just told Matias Gamron, shove off. We don't need you, which kind of sucked. But my point is, when he beat Armand Sarukian uh, a while back, that kind of propelled him. So this fight has some implications. There's also Justin Gaethje to consider with the BMF and all that. But regardless, you should tune in. This is going to be a great fight, man. They're both well-rounded. And the co-main event is Bobby Green and Jalen Turner, uh, Davis and Figueroa, Rob Font, Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gaslam. Gaslam dropping to 170 yet again. Not yet again. It's been a while. Uh, Clay Guida, he doesn't go away. Puna Soriano, anybody hit harder than that guy? What a main card. That goes down at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. So that's a little earlier than we're used to. You were used to 10 p.m. Eastern, 
7 p.m. Pacific prime time. But this one's going to go a little earlier, and it might work out with all these conference games going on in college football. Um, and I'll turn it over to Goes. So, Goes, they got the info. You got the info. Um, but talk a little bit about Bobby Green and Jalen Turner. Is Green in the right spot? He had an incident with Armand Sarukian and uh, his camp in the hotel. Is Armand Sarukian in the right frame of mind? What's going on here? I think neither guy is in the right frame of, of mind. You know, when they spoke to Jalen Turner, he was kind of saying that he just had to take this fight. I mean, they kind of used the word under duress, which, you know, kind of means like, man, if you don't take fights, the UFC just doesn't treat you well. And uh, so I don't even know that he's in the right frame of mind for this. And then Bobby Green, um, you know, you want to say something like, yes, this is probably a distraction for him, all these things going on. But in his life and the things he's gone through, I just think this is kind of a normal thing. Like it's not as big a deal as it would be for somebody else like a Jalen Turner or even a Dan Hooker who was supposed to be slated before. It's probably annoying, but at the same time, I could see how something like this pumps the guy up even more. He says that's how they get down in the Dino, which is short for San Bernardino. Don't be running up on me. Uh, I can't tell you the quotes that he said because I have uh, – <laughs> Pretty much, even the even the the version that ends with an A, I don't use that that version of the the street lingo and word or whatever. But he was all over the place, and uh, he's black, so he he can use that word, right? Um, but yeah, he, he basically was basically saying, "Don't run up on me. I don't play that. You start it, I'll finish it." And uh, he was even threatening that he he'd be willing to go to jail. But you know, I think that's Bobby Green playing the game a little bit. That doesn't mean you're rubbing up on him, but he is a professional prize fighter who's definitely turned things around in his life as of yet, uh, as of late. And I don't think he wants to go to jail. I think he'd rather fight Jalen Turner for money because that's what he does. But uh, it's part of his whole deal, you know, his upbringing, who he represents or whatever. So I, I kind of got a kick out of him, you know, watching him tell the story on, an, on his Instagram if you want to hear his version. I've yet to see a video version. From an independent source to see what went down, but uh, mm -hmm. supposedly it was Sarukian's camp and Bobby Green's and Bobby Green himself, and yeah. Well, you know, I I think I said it on a spinning back click or maybe on the show, but I just felt like Bobby Green is so perfect to kind of fill that void that the Diaz brothers have left. Right. Um, I think fans dig him. I think his fighting style is exciting. Um. So things like this, man, only build that character up more. Yeah, and he's been fighting often. But yeah, you know, we were right when we said the UFC's got a star on their hands and they just haven't realized it in Jorge Masvidal. And a lot of it came from that street side, uh, you know, street fighter type character, right? Who used to throw down with Kimbo Slice, who, who yet was another big name that Dana did not want any part of. And then all of a sudden, the biggest ratings ever, what was it, UFC, uh, Tough 10, I believe, was the one he was on. <laughs> I thought Mike Perry, same thing. I was like, really? You guys are going to cut him? Like, uh, I would have paid him a little extra and given him that Sam Alvey treatment. Kind of like, ah, he's lost a few, but man, we like having the guy around. <laughs> uh, but I think he's got a little bit of it. I think, you know, uh, obviously Bobby Green's got a little bit of it. But that doesn't mean I want hotels to turn into hotel lobbies to be 
the venues for street fights. And right. the UFC has done a good job, I will say this, in staffing their security team on fight week so that these problems can be avoided. We definitely don't want them. And I know Dana likes to say, ah, I don't like to tell the guys what to do or whatever. But that, that, so that tells me that he doesn't mind this stuff going on. But then he gets asked about it. He's like, no, we don't like this stuff going on. Well, then do something about it. Because do you remember when – hold on. Let me see if I can get the the – what was the latest event where there was some drama in the ring, in the octagon? Drama in the octagon? Drama in the octagon. What was it? Dylan Dennis? Oh, oh, an octagon, octagon. Yeah. Uh, it, well, okay, it may have been the Chandler McGregor, but I thought there was one other thing. Anyway, you'll know what I'm talking it about. Rings me, a bell. The, huh? It rings a bell. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, it seemed it like it was recent, too. So yeah. when Dana steps in, because he's very well respected by his fighters, his fighters know to knock it off is what I'm saying. Now, I know he did it with Chandler and McGregor on the tough filming. He got out of his seat and went in there and said, hey. But I thought there was another incident recently where he kind of went in there and told guys to cool down. And as soon as they saw him, it was kind of like you and I when we saw dad. Oh, okay fucking around it's time to stop that you know what i mean because we respect them and we fear them and so that that's what i mean that dana does wield that power in a sense um you know we all know for example if you don't make weight you're not eligible for that fifty thousand dollar bonus right um maybe something like that or whatever but what, what i'm what i am saying is Every time I see this type of stuff happen, like the dolly in New York, the bottles, waters thrown, you know, uh, or whatever, I always think of that MGM lobby with Jones and DC. And that could have been kind of a, a big deal. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, luckily. I'm not going to say I don't like it. I'm not going to say I don't like reading it or downloading videos or sharing them or whatever. But that's the nut. That's the. The nut job side of me, right? I guess they're a little, but there's other people that really, really dig it. But, but that's that is one thing that can I won't say ruin a sport, cancel a sport, or whatever. But it, it, it could possibly cancel an event. It could, you know, that, like the thing with Strickland the other day, man, with the gun. Like, dude, you're at the best point in your life. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just feels like sometimes things just keep getting pushed a little bit. Why Sarukian and Green? Just because two guys can't look look at each other? Or do they have history or what? I don't know. That, but it was it was more I think it was Bobby Green and somebody in Sarukian's camp, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, it just kind of blew up. But remember Costa when those guys just came jumping out of the <laughs> out of the stands in in uh, Abu Dhabi, like punch one right in the forehead. Yeah, like I don't know, man. So these camps, Something crazy almost went down last year, too, with Hamzat and Diaz. You know, the 209 crew and the rush of the Dagestanis, they, they roll like 50 deep. I just think maybe something like that needs to be controlled um, mm -hmm. where that that just doesn't happen, I guess. Right. There was uh, was Kevin Holland, member in the back. I mean, it just gets it, it is kind of getting a little out of hand. I mean, I if get it. We're an edgy sport, but. You know, we've also grown. If you told me that 50 Dagestanis and 50 from the 209 crew got together and fought 
in the desert. I don't know. I, the first thing I'd say is, is there a video? I want to see it. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm not down with that, right? But what I don't want is that to affect the fighters themselves who aren't there to do that. They're there to prize fight on a Saturday or on a Friday or whatever and do that. And sometimes I feel like the camps can almost ruin that, ruin it for them. But there's no reason why a camp member from Sunrukian should be running up on Bobby Green. Not on fight week, maybe on a non-fight week or whatever, but I think the UFC has to protect their environment a little bit more. Now, I realize as I say that, it could maybe ruin it for fans because one of the most special things as a fan when I was coming through the sport was going to the lobby of the hotel, the fighter hotel, and there's great stories from those days, man, that have nothing to do with fights. It's just from everyone coming together and having... I'd hate for that to kind of get shut down. You know, Real Madrid came to the Mandalay Bay about five years ago. 10 years ago, maybe. I don't know. Dude, I heard their security team was so strong. I don't even think you could get a look at a soccer player. That's when Ronaldo was with them, much mm-hmm. less an autograph or a selfie or anything like that. I mean, they went straight to the four seasons and back. And, you know, that kind of sucks because sometimes you do see players in a lobby or whatever, and that is a perfect moment for a fan. But and I don't want the UFC to, to get to that point, and I don't want it to get ruined by – jackasses like the one that just rushed bobby green i guess yeah that mean all that all that can be stopped so i don't want to say easily but there are just measures that you can take that i think uh would nip that in the bud really quickly you know jalen turner is a favorite going into this fight and he's taking this fight on less than two weeks notice um he's a stud don't get me wrong like mike bond pointed out on spinning back click First thing is make the weight, right? But if he can make the weight, that would be uh, an amazing fight between these two. But yeah, Turner is favored in that fight. And I guess there is a storyline for Sarukian versus Green if they want to keep it up at some point. Except mm-hmm. I feel like Sarukian's moving a notch or two ahead of Green at this point. Uh, Green made up some ground with that Grand Dawson win for sure. And if he can do something here with Turner, him staying busy, him being a gangster... Who knows? Maybe he gets in that talk with some of these upper echelon guys like your Poyers and Gagey's and Chandler's and McGregor's and whatever. You know, that that force only seems to fight themselves a little bit. But regardless, not everyone can crack at Makashev, right? It's one at a time. Next up is Oliveira. And once he's done, I think it's Gagey. But we got a lot of other popular fighters that are doing stuff. This is the same way Patty Pimlet caught a break by fighting an OG like Tony Ferguson. Hopefully one of these young guys, well, Green's not old, uh, young, but one of these guys that haven't been in title contention can can catch a break like that. That's kind of an interesting and maybe even a little bit of a segue because you're right. That would be an interesting matchup, Sarukian and Green. However, with Patty Pimblett calling out Green, man, I think that, that might be more uh, eyeballs, more money. But I don't know that uh, it gets you any closer to the title. But see, again, Bobby Green doesn't strike me as a guy that really cares. I think he just wants to make make dollar signs. So I think I'd go the Pimblet route before I'd go the Sarukian route. Which the first thing I would tell Bobby Green is, you sound like Derek Lewis. You just want to make money. But the guys that drive the nicest cars and wear the nicest suits and fly private and all that are usually the ones that have either become a champ or have fought for a title you know, or maybe fought and won a title in another organization, but they have some of that prestige, you know, that top five, top three prestige. Get to that. 
you'll make a whole yeah. lot more money than now. Now, at the same time, I'll keep it real. I think maybe fighters sometimes say that because they realize at that point in time they're not a title contender. Exactly. Or they yeah. have they don't think they can get there one day. So maybe that's just a fallback to say. I think yeah, that's why they say it. Mean nothing. I'm a G. I like to throw it out. I think that's why they say it. Yeah. I mean, growing up, George, ev everything you've ever played revolved around some kind of championship, right? Like whether you played football, soccer, baseball, there was playoffs, there was a championship, and we all wanted that big trophy, those medals. Uh, I just don't understand why all of a sudden you just change your mindset. Like, I, I, I don't believe that. I think when fighters say that, it's because they just don't believe that they can get to that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the examples that I can give a young fighter and this will help a lot if you know basketball. If you don't, then I'll try and tell you a little bit without hogging up the show. Uh, Charles Barkley, he covers the NBA for TNT, right? And so mm -hmm. you'll see during basketball season, Shaq O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson, and Kenny... Uh, the Jet. What's the Jet's last name again? Smith. Smith. Yeah, I was going to say Kenny Anderson, but he's someone else. And so this quartet has been together for a long time. They make a lot of money, and that show is watched by a lot of people, including the NBA hoopsters, right, the hoop world. Anyway, at some point in time, these guys are all, I'm sure, the best of friends. But every once in a while, Shaq and Kenny Smith will remind Charles that he didn't win a title. And it irks Charles. I think he gets by because he's Charles. He's very popular and beloved and funny. And look, this guy's an all-time great, by the way, folks. He's an all-time great, and I'm glad he's set for life. And he's controversial, and he may be even like an, a, a Diaz version in basketball, honestly. Um, but it's got to irk him that he doesn't have one of those rings. Even though he's got a ton of money, he's a Hall of Famer, he's an Olympian. He's everything you can think about except for a world champion. Man, I would just say... You don't want to be like that guy. You Who do you think with Carl Malone and John Stockton? Did they have wonderful careers? Yes. Make a lot of money? Yes. Hall of Famers? Yes. Record? Do they hold records? Yes. But they never won a title. It seems to mean a lot to those guys. And I imagine a lot of the other guys in other sports as well. But mm -hmm. basketball has this big spotlight on some of the big guys that just never won titles. And so I would say aspire, aspire to, to get a title. Don't give up. Like, Who's a perfect example? being a perfect example. Just never gave up. Finally, was in the right spot, and rose to the occasion. You know, and and his his life forever will be a little different because he did. Who do you think stands out the most as an as the, the greatest athlete to never win a title? I'll focus on basketball because it's the easiest. Uh, no, no, do, do it overall. overall. Overall, who do you think like? Because Dan Marino had incredible stats, right? That's a good one. Um, I, I think it's between Dan Marino and Carl Malone. Because Barkley was on a lot of bad teams, too. Yeah. It's not like he made it to the finals and lost over and over and over again. I would say those three, obviously Stockton and Malone are just together. Mm, Reggie Miller was a pretty was a badass, too, man. And he came so close. The problem with Reggie was for a long time, it was him and a supporting cast. Then the supporting mm -hmm. cast got better, and they filled in some spots, and he came so close. But he Patrick didn't get Ewing. Barry Sanders, Patrick Ewing. Um, 
Barry Sanders, like, so those type of guys. Randy Moss. Well, no, Randy Moss, I think, won one with Brady finally, I think. Did he? I don't know. I got to know. I, I gotta um, know. What's his nuts? Uh, who did you just bring up? Oh, Barry Sanders. The fact that he was just never on a good team doesn't make it sting as much, I think, as like a Carl Malone who had made it to the finals before, you know? He just was never close. Probably won like one playoff game or something. But he was an absolute beast. You know, Randy Moss never won a title, goes. No? No. And that guy was a stud, man. He's really probably the greatest wide receiver after Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice put up some numbers that are so untouchable that you just have to say him. But I'm going to keep it real. As a Rice fan, as a 49ers fan, this guy Moss, man, was spectacular. Yeah. And uh, he was fast, tall. He had great hands. But, yeah, he never won a title. So he's he's got to be right up there as well, man. Do you remember Brad Johnson, the quarterback? Do you remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. He once said, he said, you guys don't know how hard it was to just keep up with him because he was so quick that it was just like the timing was way different from him to everybody to all your other receivers. Mm-hmm. So he said, even like throwing bombs, he's like, I had to like really put something behind it. Cause the dude was so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty special. And I think I have the winner goes Who? where it cancels everyone else. I think. Uh okay, dude. How about Barry Bonds? He never won a title. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's got some record. I just had to make sure because I knew he played against the Angels in 2002, but I wasn't sure if he was maybe like a DH when remember the Giants won like three in five years or six years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he had retired by then. So yeah, there's there's some great ones out there. And so I would say to Green, man, keep making noise. If the money's good, then be somewhat selective because I think you've paid your dues. And if you can pounce at the right time, do it. But the key is always be on the same timeline as the champ. So let's say Sarukian and was the champ, and he's fighting Vanille. And Sarukian gets in this pickle in the camp, and the UFC says, you're stripped, or you know, so-and-so's moving up. Jalen Turner or Bobby Green's moving up. They're going to fight Vanille. Derby. You know, the weirdest things, I know that's weird, but the most bizarre things have happened in this sport, and it's just being there at the right time. And that mess in New York with Habib and Max Holloway, and then they wound up being ally at Quinta. Remember a few guys weighed in at 55 and a half? They didn't weigh at the official weight, and so otherwise they could have fought for the title. That one was a really, really huge mess, but that one wound up being Aya Quinta versus Habib. I mean, imagine if Aya Quinta just would have stuck his jaw and beat him. Amosov just lost. He's never been beaten before. He lost to Jason Jackson. Imagine if that would have happened. Um, he would have been a world champion in his home state, you know, against someone who was previously undefeated and at this moment in time is known as the greatest lightweight ever. He just didn't yeah. get that chance. But if he would have, I mean, you know, he, he got the chance. He, he just didn't land a, that big punch or whatever. But get on that timeline, make that your dream, and don't give up on it is all I can say word yeah so that's a great card folks that really is a it's not a great pay-per-view card but it's also not a pay-per-view but it's a great fight night card davis and Figueredo, former champ moving up and he gets 
Rob Font? Are you kidding me? Like, that's a great first test. So mm-hmm. that, that fight's solid. Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gaslam. Come on now. Sean Brady, 15-1. and one. Kelvin Gaslam, he's put in his time in two different weight classes. Uh, so I really, really like that. Misha Tate and Julia Avila. Uh, Drakkar Close is on the card. Let me see who else. Wellington Terman. So, yeah, it's mostly top-heavy with the main card, but you should tune in. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. All right? The undercard is on ESPN Plus, 4 Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So, as a Pacific guy, this is a 1 p.m. start for me on the prelims and then 4 p.m. start for me on the uh, main card. Now, here's the good news. BKFC, we get a chance to to watch them goes uh, both goes. Because that starts later at night. First of all, if you go to bkfc.com, it is very well detailed, uh, very well outlined on how you can buy it, what you're watching, if you're in the Salt Lake City area, how you can take the show in, right? Uh, so no excuses there. But the main card is at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So just as that UFC is ending, this thing's going to start. Jones Lozano. Moa and Bercier. Then you get the Stevens and Rivera. I think when the UFC is finishing, you can pretty much say Stevens and Rivera will be fighting. You got title fights with Adams and Terrell, Stewart and Davis. And then you get to these uh, three fights. One of them is a title fight. Christine Ferreira against Beck Rawlings. Co-main event, Ben Rothwell versus Todd Duffy. Main event, Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez. That is solid. Yeah, I'm trying to think like uh, in my head, I'm trying to do what the five card, five fight main card of the weekend would be. And there's no like you got to watch Perry and Alvarez, right? Mm-hmm. And you would probably want to watch uh, Duffy and, and Rothwell. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think if uh, man, even those the two girls Ferreira and uh, and Rawlings, they like beat the shit out of each other the first time. So that might even upstage one of the UFC fights. That'd be tough, dude. I might go with the co-main and main in both cards, and then after that, it's just but who your appetite. If you want to see women throw down, then Fajeda versus Ferreira versus Ball, uh, Rawlings is good. Uh, if you like two guys that are lighter weight, that are quick, that love to throw hands, Rivera versus Stevens, how, that's not going to disappoint. Um, who headlines, though? And then Font versus Davison. That's dope. Who headlines? Yeah. Perry versus Alvarez. Right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. And then the co-main is uh, uh, Sarukian and, and Darius. I wish Dana White would have said, you know what? I'm rich. I'm powerful. But I'm bored. I'm going to take the L on Power Slap. I done fucked up everybody. Go ahead. Give it to me. On Saturday, December 30th, I'll be at the Apex. You can all line up and slap me. <laughs> However, I'm buying BKFC. I would love for him to buy BKFC. I'm going to make Feldman the president. We're going to give him a great payout. I think that would be really, really cool if the UFC would run that and it would be on Fight Pass or whatever. That would have been really, really cool. Or for Dana to really have gotten involved in boxing so he can have these Dylan Danises and Logan Pauls of the world do their thing under his banner. Okay, you got your mm-hmm. money. You love money. You love money. You love 50000 a hand in blackjack, and you want your howler head or whatever it's called. All right, there it is. But do it right, you know, with the right spotlight. 
uh, Diaz bro wanted a box, box. And Ghana wanted a box, box. You know, and just say, if you reach a certain level of being a pay-per-view star in the UFC, we'll let you go do your one thing and then come back. But we're all going to make money together. God, I would love something like that. Yeah, it'd be legit. Although, I mean, like, it's hard to argue with David Feldman's doing a great job, too. Oh, yeah. No, they, yeah. Like I said, well, you know, a lot of times someone just reaches a point where they want to sell and sail off into the sunset. Or, like I say, I'd keep them around and just say, mm-hmm. you're now going to be Dana White for bare knuckle, you know, and, and we'll let you keep a piece of the pie. Um, but now you're controlled by Endeavor or TKO or whatever. I can't even keep track of those guys. But um, remember when it was WME IMG <laughs> after yeah. Zoom, it's been so many things. But that that would have been really, really nutty. I think that would be so awesome, man. Um, and, and, and Saudi Arabia, the way that stage went like down for this guy and up for this guy, if the UFC somehow could get a hold of that and be able to do multiple events or, oh, man, that would just be. Then no one would complain about, man, I got to the arena at 1 and I left at 10. Well, who cares if you're watching all these great fights, right? True. Well, anyway. Okay. Uh, you got Folks, you got your info there. The one last bit of info. This pay-per-view costs $49.99 for BKFC. However, listen to this. If you are already a BA, BKFC subscriber like Goes is, what do you pay Goes? Like $4.99 a month? I think it was $5.99 a month. $5.99 a month. So like he is. A coupon code will be sent to your subscription email address. So look for that. Look in your junk mail or whatever, but find that. Now you can get with that coupon code, you can get this event for $29.99. So you'll save uh, 20 bucks. All right. So you look for that code somewhere and get it for 30 bucks instead of 50 bucks. I just saved you 20 bucks. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll get to some news in a second. Let's talk to Todd Duffy who has got this fight coming up against Ben Rothwell in the co-main event of BKFC 56. We've known this guy a long time, and just like Big Ben, he also went on a trip with us to a military base. We had a great time with him. He's a solid guy, uh, and it's always a fun chat with him. We'll be right back with Duffman. What's up, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here. Anxious to talk to our next guest, who's the co-main eventer at BKFC 56, taking place this week in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Todd Duffy. Duffman's back here. He's going to be slinging them against Big Ben Rothwell. A couple of MMA guys splashing over at uh, BKFC. Todd, is that the way you would want it, or would you rather have faced in your debut an actual bare knuckle guy i guess i mean ben is a bare knuckle guy at this point he's been doing it for probably over a year uh he you know right i don't know i feel like he's pretty much bare knuckle. Yeah, i guess guy. you're right i guess he, he's got a couple fights under his belt um but you know it just seems like i i you got mma guys showing up and fighting other mma guys which there's nothing wrong with that I and mean, you guys are outstanding athletes so you guys can go do all kinds of stuff look at big francis and who just went and boxed 10 rounds against tyson fury right Wow, right? He was amazing, though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was impressive. What did you guys think going in before, be honest? Oh, I thought yeah, Fury was going to put on a masterful performance, maybe win nine rounds to one or something. But Yeah, I, mean, I thought he would gas him out after, like, the third or fourth and just, like, wear on him, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I, I did not. I'm not. Sh- I also thought he could get dropped in the first three by Nagano for sure. Yeah, but he definitely came out and impressed. But part of you's not shocked he did, right? Like party's all. Everybody's kind of like, oh, it makes sense almost. Mm, <laughs> I was a little shocked. I wasn't shocked that he knocked them down, but yeah. I was. I, I thought I saw him of the two starting to just tire a little, not like physically exhausted. <laughs> You know, or nothing like that, but just you could tell he was waning down. I thought he took round nine off, and that might have actually cost him as we look at the scorecards. So I thought that's about where Tyson Fury pulls away. But look, to be fair, I've seen this happen to Canelo. I've seen it happen to De La Hoya. Like, there's just some fighters in the championship rounds. Sometimes they ain't got what they had in those early ones, you know, but for sure, for sure. And I think, like, with a brand new sport like that, too, you got to think the conditioning is a little different. Mm -hmm. That was also the really impressive part. And how about if we apply all this to you? Have you been doing a what you feel might be is a BKFC type of fight camp, or is it just right. combat sports? Is combat sports? What? How, how did you adjust? Uh, I have. I mean, I had seven weeks, right? So I got with some boxers and I got with some MMA guys. Both. Um, I think you have to take into account. It's not boxing, but I also think you have to take into account it's not wrestling. <laughs> so it's. Did I lose you guys? No, no we're here. We're here. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my camp has been a mix of both. Uh, I got with Josh Copeland. I got with Martine. I got with Bigfoot. So I got with boxers and MMA guys, and then I had a guy that d- does both. So I got a good group of guys. Um, and John Fitch actually came in early the first week, and John Fitch gave me some really great rounds too. Um, John Fitch is 240 now, guys. Really? I- yeah, he outweighed me at one point. I think he's over. I think he was like 250. Yeah. Is he all jacked up or did he gain weight? Wait. No, he's still John Fitch. He's just been lifting weights and that's all he's been doing. It's easy to gain weight once you kind of get away from MMA, though, I'm sure. Most of these guys are probably 30 pounds of muscle less than they are if they were doing not training MMA full time. Is he going to do bare knuckle or was he just there to be a body for you? Uh, I think he's considering it. I was kind of pushing him towards it. I think he'd be very excited in a bare knuckle, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you I don't know, think he's going to do it at heavyweight. I don't think that was the idea. Um, I think he would probably get back into fighting shape, probably. Well, there's a guy named Mike Richmond. I don't know if you remember him. I think they call him the Marine. He fought yeah, at 135 at Bellator, and he's he's throwing down like a 195 at bare knuckle. Yeah, it's different rounds. So you're doing five two-minute rounds, so you're going to gain weight ideally but i just prep for an mma fight like prior to this so i was coming in seven eight weeks basically notice what fight were you prepping for can you tell us uh it was that rising fight and i didn't get my uh, visa okay that was against uh ensign in student right yeah i can't say his name correctly so i'm not gonna i don't want to yeah he needs to get a sweet nickname <laughs> he should go with honestly he's a sumo guy he should go with the honda from street fighter but be cool <laughs> yeah um you know josh copeland ben rothwell we interviewed him last week he's raved about josh he says that's a tough dude man he's gonna do well in bare knuckles so i imagine do you share the same sentiment did you get good rounds from him and good advice from him i got great work with josh like josh understands bare knuckle josh um has a style that is particularly good for bare knuckle. Um, even his MMA style, like 
and uh yeah no he gave me a lot of great work and he like gave me a lot of great insight i'm really grateful for josh like um but yeah if you look at josh's mma style it worked you know and he's he's really transitioned well he likes it too he's good at it i think it's kind of his true calling from his style standpoint when you've talked to bare knuckle fighters and they've told you you know what it's like or what to expect was there anything that jumped out of you like whoa really uh one of the really high level mma guys that i talked to i don't know yeah alan belcher gave me like two or three things that were like oh oh like little check marks because i spoke to alan really close like right right after i like right before i signed or right as i signed the fight mm -hmm. um so he, he gave me the most like oh moments but mike perry and eddie alvarez both also gave me some oh moments too um, the big thing is you got to think about your wrist. It's just a different wrap. Okay. So That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. It's not your knuckles that you're thinking. It's your wrist, I think. It's just different ways to train, too, different approaches. Um, right. You know, it's in, in Alan broke it down real well. It is different. He's like that first minute in the everybody. It's a little different because you got to find your distance is a little different, too. Um, mm -hmm. It's not boxing. It's not MMA. I don't know. You know, I'm going to go out there and find out, right? Um, mm hmm. But uh, the approach has been mixing everything, obviously, because Ben is good everywhere. You know, he likes to clinch. He likes to box. He likes to everything. So. Todd, what about the environment? So what I mean is this. When some of the pride fighters came to the UFC, just the fact that they were no longer in a square ring was really weird for them, their movements and stuff. You're in a round ring. Have you thought about that? Has that been kind of weird? Just having to know how to circle out and what, what your surroundings are yeah i mean there's no greater um thing that changes the sport than the actual setting of the sport essentially right so like the, it's a massive difference between the ufc and the horizon simply based off the ring you know when they go to the ring in mma it's a different sport almost um so this is yeah it's it's, it's much different it changes the rules of engagement it changes the distance it changes a lot it's a 20 uh you know I think it's 20 feet across in diameter and uh it's a tight hot box you know it's a very enclosed tight space um it forces the action and it forces the engagement like with a corner you have depth that you can get out of the corner if the guy over commits with this you guys it's, it's a little different with a circle you're kind of boxed in it's interesting you know everybody thinks with uh bare knuckle there is no um feeling out process and for the most part, a lot of fights do kind of go head-to-head -head really quick. But Austin Trout, who's a boxer, kind of did show us that you can somewhat have a little bit of a feeling-out process and just kind of work your way into certain positions that you want. When we when we hear heavyweights, and especially when we hear you two, we just think, oh, my God, there's going to be that cartoon fight, you know, where there's just smoke and, and a big blur yeah, of sure. punches. But what do you think, man? Two heavyweights, like, can they go the distance? Will the will there be a feeling out process? Is that possible? I don't want to give too much away of my game plan. I I don't. I think it's going to be what you described. You know, it's going to be a very exciting, big, uh, fast, nasty fight. Um, Almost sounds like the Frank Mir fight. Not to bring back a, a, that type of memory, but you guys, man, you threw down in San Diego. I was there, and I remember like. There was this vacuum of like everyone holding their breath because uh, you guys, you know, slugged it yeah, out. Yeah, we went after, well. didn't we? Uh, I mean, Frank mm -hmm. came out and set a pace. You know, like he came out and immediately looked to exchange, and he got the better of like the first two exchanges. I was pretty much he had me. 
Yeah, I was never really in that one. I was just in a, you know, I was in a defense. I thought you connected a few times. Yeah, no, I did, but I uh, he had me out probably, like he flashed me a couple times in those exchanges for mm. sure. Like I woke mm-hmm. up with my back on the cage exchanging with him. I remember that. Uh, he came out and set a pace, so I just ended up matching it because I got I was in the fight at that point. Like he was, he got the jump essentially. Yeah, he did a good job. Um, you mentioned that you told John Fitch he should do bare knuckle. Does that come from in the short time you've been with bare knuckle? They've treated you well. Is it a good payday? What is it about it that you're already kind of, kind of, you know, sharing no, with the teammates I, that hey, this might be a good spot for you? I just think it's a good. It's something he might enjoy. You know, I got it. Uh, okay. and it's a good experience that I think he'd be good at, to be yeah. very honest with you. I just think it fits his style very well. Um, he has that style of striking already from MMA, believe it or not. Um, and he understands that space. That's the space he fought MMA in. Mm-hmm. Um, that like that distance. Um, no, I mean, that was really, I just think he's, he makes sense for the sport. Is this for you? too good of an opportunity to pass up or do you plan on making bare knuckle an actual career? Like do, have you signed a contract or is it fight by fight? I think everything in this, this sport or this realm is fight by fight, to be honest with you, just in general mm-hmm. from every contract I've ever seen, it's pretty much, even if, you know, um, but for me, it's just like, it's an amazing opportunity to fight Ben Rothwell. It's like, that's a great, exciting fight for the fans. It's a great, exciting fight for me. Mm-hmm. MMA is still in your future though. Yeah, of course. I can't. Like, I was just preparing for an MMA fight. Yeah, is there, sure. uh, with PFL's acquisition of Bellator, is there an opening for you there? I would think probably, yeah. Who knows? Uh, who knows what direction they're going to take things? That's very interesting. Like, what I've understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you guys would know better. They're going to keep it separate. Yeah, for the first year, they've committed to eight Bellator events. And they want to uh, fulfill those, I guess. And so what we think is they probably have either deals with arenas or countries or whatever. The so they're going to do eight events, Bellator. And, and it also allows them to finish out like that lightweight Grand Prix or whatever. But then we also hear, you know, the I, I don't know if you watched the PFL event the other day. They're actually bringing Bellator champions inside their smart cage. I see. And yeah, I saw clips them of off. That. That's what... So a few of them were like, well, hold on a second. What's happening here? You know, like uh, the, I guess the long answer to your question is it looks like uh, they're going to kind of, according to maybe like maybe some champions might do champs versus champs and then other contenders might do the, the Bellator series. We really don't know. Yeah. I, it sounds to me like they have one roster and two brands now, right? Is that pretty much? Yeah. So they have one roster and two brands that they're going to – or two types of promotions because the rule sets are different too, right? A little bit like no elbows. No elbows during the regular season at PFL, you know, because they obviously have the – you have to do four fights in one year. So I think they want to yeah. prevent, you know, a cut taking you out. Um, but you can use them in the playoffs. You just can't use them in the regular season. And, um, you know, I'm not sure about some of the other ones, what they might be, but – uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's you, exciting. Would you even want to do a season? Would you want to do four fights in one season for a million bucks, or yeah, is that like a lot? I mean, run off a tournament. A tournament's the best. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Because you know, like, and, it doesn't matter if you're hurt. None of that stuff. Like, you get that. Even that kind of gets removed from your head a lot easier. I think tournaments mm-hmm. are the coolest thing for sure. 
So PFL is listening. Month, month, month. That's the most beautiful thing in a guy's career for sure. Right. And you know, I don't mean any disrespect with this follow-up, but you've also had long periods of time that you have, haven't been healthy, right? And so I'm wondering, is that too much in one year? That's why I was asking it like that, I guess. No, because I've also had times where I've been healthy, but there's contract issues, all kinds of, you know, life events and things like that that keep you out of, uh, you know, it's not easy getting mashed up as a heavyweight uh, come to find. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly hard. All right. Well, we certainly always wish the best for you. I think this is an outstanding fight. That's why it's a co-main event in your debut. You're both yeah. well-known, and you both know how to sling them, that's for sure. But obviously, man, we're MMA junkie. We'd love to see you back in MMA and cover you there as well. And if that's an opening for you, I think that'd be awesome because I've seen a lot of um, athletes transition and almost reinvent themselves. That guy, Shoeface, he came over from the UFC where he did very well for himself, but he's he not over even he's one of the best jiu-jitsu players in the sport, bro. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's a guy. He just did the same thing. Remember, he got highlighted by Joaquin Buckley a few yeah. years ago, and he just won a title. You know, he, went, he just won a million he's bucks. A Olivier Avian Marseille as well. He's gone back to back. It's pretty impressive. The guy that the other guy you mentioned, I can't I can't pronounce his name correctly. Go ahead, do it one more time. Impa Kasanganai. Ipa Kasanganai. What an amazing yeah. name. That's awesome. He's a beast. I think he could fight Francis. He's physically a uh, lot larger. I you think San Antonio. He's a big guy, bro. Maybe. I mean, a tough time. I, I, I think Demetrius, if he had to defend his wife, would fight Francis Ngannou, right? Because <laughs> you guys are all fighters. I get it. I get that part. But I also feel like this is a sport with weight classes, and I don't think it's a smart move. But could he do it? Of course he could do it. I don't think anybody fears anybody. But Man, I, I don't know. That's that's quite the step up there. To it, maybe he was doing it because he wants the two million dollar payday that comes with it. I guess I don't know, but absolutely, to me, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. I was like, oh, I don't know about that, man. Well, no, I actually, uh, I was gonna say, dude, you beat a guy like Ben Rothwell, and probably the way you're gonna do it's pretty, we're gonna be pretty nasty. I would throw my name in that hat, right? Because that's what they're looking for. Is they're saying we just don't have very sexy matchups at heavyweight. You do something like that to Ben Rothwell, I'd imagine you could come across their table and say, I'd like a shot at uh, Francis Ngannou. Would, would you do something like that? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I think David would give me that opportunity, too, for sure. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, it's a fun, exciting fight. I think they do have a lot of sexy matchups, though, in my opinion, but I love heavyweight fights, so maybe I see it differently. But both guys that just fought last weekend would be amazing matchups for him, you know? Um mm -hmm. I think, like, in general, PFL has a good roster of heavyweights that I'd love to see Francis fight. <laughs> um, but, no, please sign me up for that fight. Everybody wants that fight. You got 185ers calling out Francis right now. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, yeah, somehow this boxing thing, in a way, was good, and in a way, it was bad. Why it was good? <clears throat> because it represented well for mixed martial arts. I thought that was awesome. But now they're teasing this Deontay Wilder versus Ngannou fight. I mean, come on. In MMA, bro, there's a chance Ghost could beat Deontay Wilder in MMA. You know, like a takedown. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's kind of rough to watch, but it's exciting. Um, and I wonder if Francis is going to go back to – like, I'd love to see Francis and Bare Knuckle. I think that'd be really badass. Oh, I'd like yeah. to be Ben and then fight Francis and Bare Knuckle. That'd be really, really cool. Uh, but I think he's going to stay in boxing, right? Like, isn't that what this really caused? I it sounds like he's going to fight MMA versus Deontay Wilder and then probably rematch Fury. But Fury's got to get past usage, which I think he will. 
Um, but usage is a heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But the thing is, Francis in January will be two years having not fought MMA. And I just feel like I'd love to see him back in MMA at some point. And and I cause see, I think Francis is the baddest man on the planet in all combat sports. That goes for Fury, that goes against the Olympic gold medal wrestler, fucking WWE guys, whatever, you know. I just think he earned that by being UFC heavyweight champ. And he, and no one ever beat him. But at the same point, at the same time, if you're away too long, it, that gets bestowed on someone else. So I'd love to see him come back and just either, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I just don't know if he's gonna. That's what I'm saying. Like I think he's gonna stay in boxing. I don't believe Wilder and him are really gonna have an MMA fight. That sounds like just marketing, right? Well, it's mixed rules. I'd love to see him in bare knuckle. That'd be really cool. That's mixed rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be really, really cool. Well, for uh, you don't have to uh, tell, tell us what they're paying you, but does it sound like they sling around big enough money? I mean, Austin Trout's been there. Pauli Malinaji's been there. Um, sounds like Dave Feldman opens up the checkbook from time to time, but what, what do you think? Could they afford him? Could they afford Francis? I have no idea what their budget is, but and I don't know what Francis is getting. That's the thing I keep thinking about boxing. He's getting 20 or $30 million is what I'm hearing. So it's like, what's he getting in MP- You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's, that's the thing I'm worried that. He's gonna stay in Saudi Arabia fighting for twenty or thirty million of boxing. Yeah, and I just I don't see why Wilder would actually leave boxing. You know. Yeah. Like, what what does he have to gain? You know, I just think it's marketing. I really think, I think he'll stay over there and he'll get those bigger, easier paydays for for now. I think MMA's tougher for him, for anybody. I mean, I'd love to yeah. see him in MMA. I'd love to see him. Yeah, BKFC nerves at all, or are you pretty? Are you a vet? that can basically throw down in any type of sport at this point? I mean, it's a brand new sport. Uh, I have nerves for every fight. You know, it's like, it's a wild experience, you know, um, you're going in there for war. So it's, a, uh, yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's, it is a fight. It's just yeah. a fight with a certain rule set. Let me ask you a corny question. Every time you pretty much enter a room, whether it's a supermarket, a gym, a shopping mall, you're pretty much the baddest man in that building, unless I guess another MMA heavyweight is in there. What's that feel like? I mean, are you do you almost feel like a superhero? I guess not, you know, or just <laughs> I don't think it registers. Like, you got to think I grew up in like a super, super, super small town and like a small community, and I was large my whole life. So, like, none of that really registers, to be honest. Uh-huh. Uh, really. Like yeah, you, you didn't feel like today when you traveled, you were the toughest man on the plane. And if a problem came out, well, you knew you could solve it at least, right? I mean, I'm always willing to offer my services uh, <laughs> to the community um, and be a helpful man. <laughs> but I, honestly, none of that stuff registered. And I think it's because I was a big kid in a mm-hmm. small town and people already like I already had those. I don't, it doesn't cross my mind ever. I'll be very honest with you, bro. Like, When's the last time someone tried to try, tried it with you, whether it was at a bar, they're drunk, or, or a club, or, or I don't no one know, ever I try to talk you. my way out of it pretty quick, typically, and create space. Um, but I mean, in college, when I had a shaved head, like I had got a lot of like, you know, guys in bars trying to fight me. Um, and even probably up until I was probably 30. But since I've grown my hair out, it's a nice little incognito. People are way nicer. Uh, not a lot of bullies out there trying to pick fights with me, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, definitely when I was younger, you look like a math tutor right now. I don't understand why you look more intimidating now. I think with the beard, 
I think the beard looks hilarious, bro. Look like a chia pet. Uh, <laughs> like, dude, I look like I slept in my car. You know, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Uh, All right. I don't think it makes me look. You think it makes me look? I think people are a lot like. I don't know. I feel like I'd I'm be more, more scared to run people. into you now than your college version of the shaved really? head. I mean, I think so. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think goes? I think so. I I have a I have a corny question too. Since George got one, um, I've been to Japan and I'm a little bigger in Japan, and I have that strut that George is talking about, where I feel like I might be the biggest guy in the room. What happens when you go to Japan? Because I remember my room. I could almost hit my head like going into the restroom on the on the thing. What what happens when yeah, you're there? Yeah, no, I mean, it's an experience, right? Like you complain a lot about space, you realize how huge America is really what happens, I think. Um but yeah, no, it's a it's a great experience. Uh it's really nice to see how they use economy in space. Like you start to appreciate it, but it is a wild like probably the first two days you're like, wow, everything's really small. You, you spend about for, you know. <laughs> but they uh they they uh they have a special way of saving space. I love it. Yeah, their beds weren't exactly uh, California kings either. I remember I had tight quarters. No, you're like, yeah, I sleep on the corner of my bed, like in a big bed, and you know, I still sleep on the corner, but it's like you are you could fall off both your bed at any moment. It's like a hideaway bed almost. I was hardly in the bed. I was on, I was on that bidet all the day. Oh, that thing yeah, that was, was awesome. That was my first experience. When I first, first, yeah, that was my first experience with a bidet was in Japan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I really appreciate y'all. Uh, thank you so much, Japan, for that. Um, but, guys, it's super late where I'm at, and I need to get yeah. to bed. I haven't even, like I said, I okay. just got to the hotel room. Um, yeah, you got it. You got it, Kyle. I had to catch up with you guys. I haven't seen you in a long time. I was Great to catch to up with you, too. Sorry for the silly questions, but thanks for giving us the interview on Fight Week. No, bro, I mean, if you want to – it's just the time. It's almost 11. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> serious. Uh, it, you are an hour ahead, and you do have a fight on this on this week, so uh, trust us. We're, we're – uh, we totally get it. But thank you, Todd. Honestly, seriously, we're going to be watching. Hope you guys have a great fight. And thanks, for, as always, for the time. Thank you, guys. Miss y'all. I don't care what he says, goes. We all got egos. I'm telling you, it would be nice to just know wherever you walk in, whether it's Best Buy, Walmart, Home Depot, T-Mobile, and just know you're the toughest, baddest mofo in that building. I mean, unless there's another guy that beat you and he's around then okay. Mm-hmm. So you're number two, right? But still there's, there's gotta be something of, of a superhero feeling to that. The, uh, the alpha male. I wonder what that's like at the, uh, UFC PI, you know, if there is somebody that kind of, and Ganu back then probably walked through there with that swag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's you know, like part. exactly. I mean, <laughs> None of them fear each other, but there is respect for the additional weight that you carry. You got the same skills as me, but you outweigh me by 50. Your reach is longer. There's a good chance you're going to jack me up. But still, they don't fear each other. But yeah, I was just thinking that maybe because I did some traveling lately. And I always think, is this going to be one of those flights where a Karen ruins it for everyone or someone starts tripping and a bunch of people have to get together and restrain someone or whatever. But luckily, I had I had. Good, good karma on all my flights. Everyone was cool. Um, I think that's more on the domestic side, to tell you the truth goes. Everyone's different. Like in South America, it was just minding your own business and kind of like the old days. But, geez, over here, like it seems like every day when I log on to something, someone's tripping on a plane. Mm-hmm. That's the dumbest place to trip, in my opinion, but whatever. 
Yeah, there was a recent story where someone, oh, it was before it took off, someone opened the door and was running on the wing or something like that. Did you see that one? Yeah, they tried to get into a truck. Oh, and then somebody said that by the time the story had gotten out, he threw something on the plane and ran, so they had to evacuate it. So I was thinking, well, what'd he throw? I mean, I don't think he could have gotten a, um, what do you call it, the uh, grenade? Yeah, you, you click the thing and throw it in. Because he wouldn't have gotten past security, right? But what was their fear? I guess he, I guess he could have thrown something there, an envelope full of anthrax. I mean, I don't know, making shit up, but uh, it looked like the plan was safe, everything was cool. But I just had to go through an eight-hour delay in L.A., but it was only because it was mechanical failure. So I was glad we got that sorted out. But yeah. uh, it's no fun, man, when you're just sitting on the tarmac and not doing jack. I had to sit there for. Almost two hours uh, on the way to a PFL one time. In the plane? Yeah. Some people have to do it in the summer when it's 100 degrees and the AC, they can't crank it yet. They can't crank it till oh. it gets going or something like that. Yeah. And then so there's also, oh, man, I wish I remembered this. But there's a law that once you get to a certain amount of time, you can get a refund. So, like, we were sitting there and I remember... I wasn't going to make it in time for PFL. Mm -hmm. So technically I could have left like say at the hour 30 minute mark, but the either somebody on the plane or the stewardess told me, if you just wait the whole two hours, you'll get your money back mm. versus them trying to like get you on another flight or something. Cause the only reason I was going was for the event. So mm -hmm. it's not like I could even say, well, I'll use that towards the next week. Like it just didn't make sense. So mm -hmm. I remember they said, if you just wait a little bit longer, you'll get your whole refund. Yeah. Uh, did you get it? Yeah. All right. Um, here's some news to close out the show. On the heels of Bellator acquisition, PFL re-ups ESPN deal to stay side-by-side -side with the UFC. Uh, so the UFC is, sorry, the PFL is now on its fifth year or something like that with ESPN. Things seem to be going good. They renewed last year. They renewed this year. And so now ESPN will partner with them for the regular season events, playoff events, and they'll continue to be a pay-per-view provider with a super fight division that they're going to have. So you'll order your PFL pay-per-views on ESPN Plus, just like you do with UFC. So I think that's good news, and I think that's the right spot for them. I'm sure they get a, a the best payday they can by being aligned with ESPN. There was a lot of times when they were on ESPN proper. They weren't on Plus or U or nothing like that, or mm -hmm. number or two or three. They were on actual ESPN. So I think that's pretty cool. What we don't have, unfortunately, folks, is what the deal's worth. And I know yeah, some of you think I'm fixated too much on money. What's that goes? No, but that's a big deal for them because you know you you have to imagine their gates aren't what the UFC gates are. So a lot right. of their money comes from these types of deals. So it's something we do have to bring up. Yeah, exactly. But I wish I knew the number. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll give you an example. The Here are the top five broadcasting deals in the sports. In sports. So you've heard of cricket, right? Yeah. Not the phone provider that our buddy Alton's on, but <laughs> uh, the leagues, sorry, the sport that you see mostly in Asia. India is very big on it, but so is the UK, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, they have a deal. Four years, $3.5 billion. And it has to do with Viacom, and I don't know much about it, so I'll just move on. MLB, $12.4 goes. 
for that sport, which many people thought viewership was dying a few years ago or whatever, but almost 12 billion, sorry, million tuned in to the Astros and the Phillies for this last World Series. And those aren't like the most popular teams of all time, right? But mm-hmm. still a little bit of a resurgence, who knows? But this is how it breaks down for them. Fox, 52 Saturday afternoon games. They're paying eight, four billion for eight years. TBS, 26 Tuesday night games through the season, 2.8 billion for eight years. So all that package added up to what I said, which was 12.4 billion for the uh for Major League Baseball. I mean, that's a lot of coin. Remember, I think the UFC was getting five years, 700 million a year, something like that. Um, but obviously that's pales in comparison to what we're seeing here. The Premier League, they get 10.1 billion. All right. And it's per year goes per year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. For all those teams to to get. And it's all split amongst Sky Sports, Amazon, BT Sports. Um, but that's huge. The NBA, 24 billion they get. And that's through a deal that covers them through the 24-25 season. It's a 10-year agreement. Massive for them. NFL, $113 billion goes. Jeez. Over 11 years. I mean, why can those sports release details and some of these, and our sport is just so reluctant on fighter pay and these types of deals? That's how you're going to push your competition. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And they're all publicly traded, if I'm not mistaken, nowadays. So it's not like we can't find it out. But I just, I would lean into it versus away from it. Because we're we're all too old to believe the story, oh, we don't want the athletes to reveal what they make because then the hanger-ons come out of the woodwork and these guys get bothered for loans. These are fighters. You don't think they're the first ones to say, shove off to anyone that asks them for money? Mm-hmm. I mean... NBA players seem to be okay. You know, I don't, there's not like you read a headline NBA players jumps off a bridge because he got tired of his family asking him for money. I mean, no, they figure it out. You know what I mean? Your Mm -hmm. athletes can figure it out too. Shinny Aoki's going to fight for the last time, goes. He's going to fight a one championship against Sage Northcutt. I think, um, I mean, Aoki's way up there. And again, it's one of those fights where you, uh, you know what he wants to do, right? Is Sage going to let that happen? I don't know. Um, but I, I find it uh, interesting. But how many farewell fights has this guy had? Who, Shinya? Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. He had at least like three of them. <laughs> I don't, he's 40 years old, which is pretty old for the lighter weight classes, right? But this takes place on January 28th in Tokyo, Japan. And... Northcutt, through all this, you know, the, all that time off and everything, he's only 27 years old still. Crazy. Yeah. So, but he's still around, and he's going to be the guy that, I guess, ushers him into retirement or allows him to go off in a, a blaze of glory. Who, who do you like? Who's your early lean? I think uh, because of the age, and I think Sage Northcut. Aoki has not fared well lately. Mm. Yeah, 
I think you're right. I think I would go with Sage Northcutt. He's 12 and 3 overall. So he's not he's not a tomato can. Uh he finally won via heel hook, by the way. In his last fight, when remember he had taken like three years off, he hadn't fought since mid 2019, and he recently won uh four years later. It was like mid 2023. So four years off, he came back and won via heel hook. Mm-hmm. So I I I think basically just don't go to the ground with Shin Aoki. Although this guy's so tricky in so many ways. But I think if he can survive that, he'll just stamp him out. Yeah. I don't think he'll return the favor and he'll hook back uh, a noted Hell, grappler man. like Shin Aoki. But <laughs> either way, uh, I'll be watching that fight. And folks, look, you can go to MMA Junkie and read about some of the latest stuff that's in there. There's a good article about Dreykus uh, Duplessis. He says, I can KO Strickland better than Fajeda did. So he's already starting to talk some smack. Remember, those guys are going to be locked in the cage in January in Toronto. So that's a big fight. Mm-hmm. And Figueredo is moving up from flyweight after all those fights with Moreno. He's finally going to forget about weight cuts. But he gets Ralph Font, so that's a stiff test. Uh, check that out. All these articles are coming in because we've done some pre-fight interviews uh, with a lot of these fighters at the UFC Austin card. It's called UFC on ESPN 52. Um, Misha Tate says, I was an idiot. Why did I drop to 125? Watch me do my thing at 135. I'm one of the best in the world. All right, cool. Giga Chikotsi just spoke with us. He talks about the best version of Emmett. Josh Emmett is who he expects. They lock up at UFC 296 and a bunch of other stuff. So check it out. MMAJunkie.com. Free app for all mobile phones and tablets you can download it get your news that way if you're over the laptop world so uh lastly reminder every monday spinning back click it's a live show that you can watch here on mma junkie or just go straight to our youtube page it's youtube.com forward slash mma junkie video for one hour myself and goes and two of our colleagues we unpack the biggest news of the week and it's a show where you can participate by giving us questions and comments and we'll incorporate that into the show anyway Uh, We're out of here. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy VKFC 56 and UFC fight night in Austin. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Go out and be a champion.